what I want to do today and what I want to talk about today is I want to revisit the M&M's. I think that after a couple years, it's time to revisit the M&M's, revisit the things that went along with the M&M's, and ask the question of, are we different today than we were if we use the mark of our coming here? How are we doing? Eight years. How are the M&M's of our faith doing? The more and more of our faith. You know, Paul loved the Thessalonian people. He loved them deeply. They were very important to him. He had been there. But when he left there and he wrote them a letter, he said this in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. He says this, Finally then, brothers, we ask and we urge you in the Lord that you receive from us how you ought to live and to please God just as you are doing and that you do so more and more. You know, the goal here isn't just having a fun-sized faith. That's not the goal. Not just having a little bit of faith. You know, that seems to be some people's goal because you talk to them and you say, uh, uh, I talk to people on the street every once in a while about their faith and you say, yeah, you know, I, I, I accepted Jesus Christ. So I said, well, how's, how would you say your faith walk is today? And they'd say, well, you know, it really hasn't changed very much. See, it's still little. Their faith hasn't grown. They haven't been on a journey with God. And so there are four areas that we talked about back then that are from these chapters, and I just want to revisit them today. And the first part of M&M's is our faith. If you read on in verse 4, it says that in verse 3, it says this, For this is the will of God that you are, you, for this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality. You know, it's interesting that in verse 3, he uses the word sanctify, which means to set apart. And that's what God is. God is set apart from all of us, isn't he? He, I like the words of A.W. Tozer, where God, he explains his favorite word to explain who God is, is other. He's not like us. But when he is described in Scripture over and over again, and when you take a look, especially in Revelation, where there are the people and and there are the saints around them, they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. But he's other and he's set apart. And the question today for me is, have you grown in your holy habits It's speaking here specifically of sexual sin, but it's talking about the idea in verse 7 as you read on. It says, For God has not called us for impurity, but for holiness. And so when we think about our faith, the first thing that we've got to ask ourselves is this question. Have we grown in our holy habits over the years? Is uh, uh, Is our holy habits, is it getting to the tear and share size? Is it getting to the theater size? Are we growing in our faith in that way? In verse 8, it says this, Therefore he who disregards this disregards not man, but God, who, go, who gives us his, whole, his Holy Spirit to you. Who gives his Holy Spirit to you. You see, it's interesting that when I, get, when I begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, when he gives me the faith, that's what it says in Ephesians, right? For by grace you are saved through faith, and it's not of yourself. It is a gift of God. And when God gives us this gift of faith, 
all of a sudden there are these options inside of us that just did not exist before. It's like a whole new menu opens up. It's like when you are in your iPhone and it says, you know, in-store apps, and there's these different things that can happen if you, you pay a little bit of money. All of a sudden in our Christian life, we have a changed relationship with the Lord, and all of a sudden there are these options. The question are, are you taking those options? When you took a look at your life eight years ago and you take a look at it now, are you growing in holiness? Are there more holy habits? This verse, verse 8 meant so much to me when I used to teach sexual abstinence in public schools because some of the kids, my favorite comment of all the things they said um, because they gave us these like reviews at the end and one of the girls in anger wrote, what right does a pastor have to come into school and teach us to be moral? <laughs> you know? And I, I can remember taking it kind of personal, and some of the comments would be kind of hurtful. But I had to remember that these kids weren't rejecting me because these weren't my ideas. They were rejecting the God of heaven. That's whose ideas they were rejecting. And so the first part of an M&M faith is that it has holy habits. The next part of an M&M faith is it has honorable interactions. As we read on in chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, it says this, that each of you know how to control your own body in holiness and honor and in the passion of lust, but, and, and not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not go know God that no one transgresses or wrongs his brother in this manner. One of the things that is true, not only does our relationship with God change as we have faith, but all of a sudden it changes the way we treat other people, doesn't it? All of a sudden, some of the things we could say and some of the things we could do, we can't do anymore. When I was younger, I really enjoyed listening to Rush Limbaugh. And I always said that it would be interesting if he became a Christian, but he probably would lose his show. Because if he became a Christian, some of the ways he treated people and some of the things that he said, he could no longer say, because quite honestly, they were not honorable. They were mean-spirited, and they did not fit the fruit of the Spirit at all. And I think we have to ask the question, are we growing in how we treat other people? Is our faith affecting our relationships with other people? Are we able to take the holiness high road sometimes in situations where when what we really want to do in our frustration of that moment is, is, is to go back to some of those junior high ideas of, I know you are, but so am I. You know, you know those kind of snide little remarks that we made. If we're having a faith that grows, it has to grow in honorable interaction with other people. And the reason why is found at the end of verse 6. It says this, Because the Lord is an avenger to all things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. The reality is, is there isn't karma, but there is a God that someday will judge even those of us who love and know Him. That's reality. Karma is a Buddhist idea. 
Sowing and reaping is a biblical idea. And so we have to be aware of this. Here's the bottom line. M&M faith drives holy and honorable choices for, for, from, growing, from a growing intimacy with the Lord. Because if you look back on verse 5, it says that the Gentiles acted this way because why? Because they didn't know God. But as we grow in our intimacy with God, it should affect our relationship with people. I'll give you a great example of this. Most of you think I'm incredibly organized. But if you would have met me when I got married 34 years ago, you would not have said that. The reason I am incredibly organized is because I have an intimate relationship with Nancy Koenig, who is incredibly organized. That's why she has trained me in organization. In the same way, I'm hoping that as you grow in your relationship and intimacy with God, He is training you in holiness and right living. So that's the first M&M. The first M&M is M&M faith. But there's another M&M. And the next one is M&M love. As you read on in Thessalonians, it says, Now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, For you yourselves have been taught by God to love other people. Isn't that interesting? He didn't say you have been taught by us. He says you have been taught by God to love other people. That's that little voice inside of you that occasionally says, I know how you feel and I know what you want to do, but you can't. Right? This isn't the way that we act. This isn't the way we treat people. It's, a, it's that voice that occasionally you watch or you hear about somebody's faith and then you watch how they treat people and you go, ooh, my, there's, one of these is not like the others, just like Sesame Street, right? In verse 14, it goes on and says this, For since we believe that Christ died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with Him those who've fallen asleep. Whoops, I've gotten ahead of myself. Let's go back to verse 10. For that indeed it is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia, but we urge you brothers to do so more and more. You know what? God has given us opportunity over the last couple years, hasn't he? To have moments where we needed to have M&M love, didn't we? There, there have been some things that we've had to trot through as some church there have been some experiences that we've had where all of a sudden the fact that we are a family of faith has been very important. And I've experienced and I've watched as you guys have really loved one another. And you've loved me. There's a comment that some of you make that is a little unnerving, but I am also grateful for it. It's like, you're preaching better than ever before. I always wonder, does that mean I started really bad? (laughs) But there is a patience that we've had with each other. uh, Things that we've learned together. And we've grown. I've grown, you've grown. But God taught us it, didn't He? There are certain days. Do you ever have unloving days? I have them. There are certain days I don't want to pull any M&Ms out of the package. I'm okay with fun-sized you know, 
Eminem love. But the Spirit of God never lets me get away with that. Have you noticed that? Because he is the teacher of love. Because he's the example of love. He goes on and says something interesting, and at first I didn't understand how it fit in, but the more I thought about it, it makes sense. In First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, it says this. It says, And aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may live properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. M&M love alters our lifestyle. All of a sudden, we don't want to be in a position where we're imposing or we're taking advantage of other people. Eminem lifestyle love needs to have a lifestyle because all of a sudden we realize in the bandwidth of life that we've, we've got to slow down and maybe even get rid of some of the things we do because they're standing in the way of us loving people. And so living a quiet life means that we're not too busy to love. Working ourselves means that we're not dependent on someone else to love us and take care of us. You see, M&M love, first of all, is taught by God, but M&M love all of a sudden changes our whole lifestyle. That's why we say this. M&M love teaches us and reshapes our lifestyle to create more room to love. Before you met Jesus Christ, you didn't have as much room to love. But since you've known Jesus Christ, you have much more room to love. So the second M&M is love. The third M&M is hope. And it's hope, first of all, is resurrection-powered. It says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 13. It says, But we do not want you to be unformed, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep, that you, would, that you would not grieve as others who do who have no hope. This week on Monday, I got a phone call. There was a family that had lost a loved one. They were irreligious people, but at one time they had attended J. Baptist. And since I'm a Baptist, they figured I was the right one to do the funeral. And so with very little preparation... And in a situation that you know is really hard for me, I didn't really know these people. I stepped into their lives, and I was a part of their saying goodbye to their 93-year-old grandfather. I thought, what an irony as I got to know about this life a little bit. Here's a man whose family had moved to Keene during the tuberculosis era because his mother had tuberculosis. And his grandfather had built a home on the Osable River. And his father every day would tuck his mom on the porch and go to work, hoping that she would be cured from her tuberculosis. And all of a sudden here, several decades later, he dies during another great breathing scare in the same home that his grandfather had built for his mother. And the thing that was hardest for me was I didn't know where he stood with God, and so I couldn't speak with triumph glory of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. 
Because if we have Christ Jesus when we die, we are not dead. We're more alive than ever before. We're more free than ever before. And see, this was the problem. The Thessalonians were like, oh, great. If somebody dies before Jesus Christ returns, what happens? They just miss out. And that's what this teaching here was all about. It was about what resurrection means In verse 14 it says, For since we believed Christ died and rose again, even so, through Christ, God will bring with him those who've fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word from the Lord, that we who are alive and are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who've fallen asleep. Isn't that a cool idea? Remember remember when you used to go to the meat market or someplace and you'd have to go up and they'd have those little numbers and you'd have to wait your turn? I think there's a big one of those. And the second we die, we get to pull the number. <laughs> you know? And we've had this sad moment of saying goodbye to people that we love here, haven't we? But they just got the ticket before us. Because they're alive and they will rise before us on the last day. In verse 16 it says, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry, uh, with a cry of command and the voice of an archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You know what? Our hope isn't on the warranty that we have for a dishwasher. Our hope isn't in the extended lease that we took out on our car. Our hope is in eternity where we will spend with the Lord. And that's the thing that motivates us That's why there have been several times, you know, we often pray here that the gospel will be shared clearly, right? And think of how many times this room has been fullest at the death of a saint. And we have had the opportunity to share with the extended family and friends of those people about our real hope, which isn't resurrection. See, hope is powered by resurrection, but hope is also made vigilant by knowing that the rapture is going to happen. If you read on in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says this, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then suddenly destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to be a surprise to you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. I don't know what you think, but COVID has shaped me in this one way. I never realized that something invisible could make the whole world stop the way COVID did. I never realized that something like that could take place. And all of a sudden, we've all taken pause, and we all have different ideas about some of it, but the reality is, 
is the world stopped. But there is a day coming when a tragedy will take place that no one can explain. The trumpet of the Lord will sound and all who are in Christ will disappear at one time. I told you about how we used to play rapture practical jokes on people at Moody. How we'd place our clothing in different places around the area and we'd get the guy with the trumpet to blow the trumpet next to somebody's room and then go hide. And they would walk out into the hallway and just see these piles of clothes everywhere. (laughs) We were trying to make them think that they missed the rapture. But it's hard to stay vigilant about this, isn't it, isn't it? Some days our grocery list is more important than our eternity. Some days our cares and challenges of this world are more important than eternity. And yet our hope is in eternity. And our hope is in being vigilant so that we're ready when the Lord returns. When we bought the home, um, the church did, I, I explained to Stephen, we were driving down the road one day, and I said, you know, this isn't our house. And so Mrs. Appleton will be coming every week to inspect how the house looks. So you're going to have to keep your room really clean. <laughs> and right then the phone rang. And I get on the phone, and I'm having this whole conversation. And about two hours later, Stephen comes back to me, and he goes, I'd like to talk more about these inspections. (laughs) See, there was a vigilance at that moment that he felt just simply because somebody was watching. But there's a vigilance that we need to have as believers and there's one other area of that vigilance, and it's found in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. It says, For God did not destine us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the reality is, is no, our hope should drive us to be salvation-centered. Uh, I, I hope that we don't have the cavalier idea of, well, I don't care who else is in, I know I'm in. Kind of scary, isn't it? Our hope should challenge us to be wanting to share the gospel. You know, that reality is is that there's a reason there's a cross that's hung here. It reminds us week after week, month after month, every time we get together, it's there to remind us that this is what centers our faith. That Jesus Christ died for our sin to give us the ability to have relationship with Him and to escape the wrath to come. I don't know where you all stand here today, and I don't know where you all stand up on in our, our vigil in our virtual audience today, but here's the reality is, is that you have to decide what you're going to do with Jesus Christ. You have to decide whether or not you're going to ask him to be your savior. And the reality is, I love how Pascal put it, he said to not to decide is a decision too. And so I, I, I implore you 
to consider the cross for yourself, to humble yourself and let Jesus Christ be your personal Savior. To pray a simple prayer and say, Dear God, I need you to be my Savior. I need you to be my Lord. Not just to escape the wrath, but to be in relationship with the God who had his son die so that you could have that relationship. But that's our hope, isn't it? That's why even in the hard times of saying goodbye to Lynn and to Ralph and to others here in this church, we called them celebrations because they were not dead, they were alive, even though they were separated from us. There's one more M&M, though. So we have three M&Ms so far. We have the M&M of faith, and we have the M&M of love, and the M&M of hope. But the last M&M is the M&M of joy. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 6, verse 17, it says this, Rejoice always. And so it basically things that's going to change in our Christian life is I think that all of a sudden as we stop living circumstantially and we realize that God is in control all the time even in the midst of hard things we can rejoice because God's got it he's going to take care of things it's going to be okay it's going to work out God is in control God didn't miss a day one day and all of a sudden something happened in Wuhan that affected all of us. It didn't work that way. God is in control. And so we should have this ability to rejoice because He's in control. And it says that this joy is that we're supposed to rejoice always. Now that doesn't mean we can rejoice about everything like, yay, I have cancer. No, it doesn't mean that. But it can be, yay, it doesn't matter if I have cancer because God's going to be with me and He's going to take care of me. We should be able to rejoice in all things. In fact, it says that we're supposed to do that more. M&M faith is also continual. It says that we will pray without ceasing. I didn't used to believe this is true, but if you were in the private part of my head... I talk to the Lord a lot, which is good, because if you talk to yourself and then you answer, that's scary. But I have this continual conversation with the Lord about even the smallest of things. God is growing my faith and my ability to be in continual prayer. In verse 18, it says this, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Wow. You see, we're supposed to be constantly rejoicing, continually praying, and we're always supposed to be grateful. This is hard. Every one of us has a little bitty Eeyore in us, doesn't it? Everybody has one of the, as, as those days where, you know, we might blame it on the lack of sun in the area, but we're, we're not happy. And yet God is calling us. And so M&M joy transforms our vocabulary. That's how I look at it. Is all of a sudden we have a different vocabulary because of our relationship with the Lord. I've told this story before, but it's one of my favorite stories of revival. In the Irish revival, many of the miners were... Were, were saved. 
And they said there was a slowdown in all of the mines because the donkeys that moved the coal out of the mines and the ore out of the mines didn't understand people talking without swearing at them. Because their language changed. God is changing our language. We speak differently. We think differently. We are different. So here are the four things. Eminem faith drives holy and honorable choices for a growing intimacy with the Lord. Eminem love, God teaches us and reshapes our lifestyle to create more room to love. Eminem hope creates anticipation for the eternal. And Eminem joy transforms our vocabulary. Now I'm going to bring up another picture here. I wish I I looked everywhere for four, but I only found three. I I want you to think about your life in terms of it having four jars of M&Ms, okay? And I want you to think, over the four, the last eight years, has God been emptying any of these jars into your life? Where where are they at? Uh, Are you still here? Are you still living with a fun-sized faith? Or or have you gotten to this point and you're saying, I'm regular size now, that's good enough, right? You know, grown enough. I can remember telling the Lord one day that he had about 95% of me, and he was talking to me about the other 5%, and I said, "I I think I'm getting an A, God. 95%. He says, but I want the other five. I said, but I'm already regular, God. I'm I'm, I'm a regular, you know. Um, or, Or do you see God moving you to this? Are you becoming party sized? Is He emptying the jars of your life with the M&M's? the more and more of what He wants you to be? Have the last eight years been stagnant or vibrant? Has there been a little growth or a lot of growth? What has God been doing with the mustard seed of faith that He gave you to grow you into becoming all that you're supposed to be? Because God is not satisfied that we are just this big. Uh, I, I think of my mother-in-law who constantly talks to me and she says, she's 88 now, and she says, I still want you to grow so that you get to where I am sooner than I did. I want you to have the more and more now instead of later. Let's pray. Dear God, today I pray for our church. And I pray that you would continue to grow the faith of this church. I love the words of one of our members who says that underneath the name of our church, in the fine print it says, if you come here, God will deal with you and change you. And I can say that that's true of my life. I'm thankful I'm not the same afraid, unconfident pastor that came here eight years ago. 
after some broken and hard times. I'm thankful for the healing and patience and growth that was here. For all the M&M I received from other people that is growing the person that I am today. And I pray for each of us in this room. I pray, God, that you would continue to grow our faith and our love, our hope and our joy from from fun size to party size. And that, God, we will reach deeply into the jars of these gifts that you give us and consume all that you have for us. And God, I especially pray for those people that are without faith and without hope, without your love, and without your joy. And I pray that they would enter your kingdom through the sacrifice and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, today. God, continue to grow us as a family of faith as we continue to trust you more and all that you have for us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, I don't usually go to church to burn things, but that um, is what's going to be happening next. So I'm going to ask Rex and Kay to come, and uh, they're going to lead in this next part of helping us um, with our mortgage. It's very important that you have the mic so that people out there can hear you. So good morning, everybody. This is a great day. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Okay. So we're up here to celebrate. We're going to do, I I thought earlier about a movie, and you have popcorn in a movie. We were going to have a show, and then we're going to have M&Ms. So we'll be handing out M&Ms afterwards. So as of June 1st, we paid off the mortgage, and we did it in less than six years and so it's just a great day to celebrate and so it's very it's very easy for me to be the treasurer today (laughs) so i i can remember when we first looked at the house and uh i don't think jim was real excited (laughs) um but i think what he didn't realize is he had a kind of a congregation full of contractors that kind of we all banded together and and basically turned the house into something more of a home as he said it had an apartment down below that was a little bit rough shape but um, it's now the nest which uh, gives respite to uh, pastors and and people in the ministry that can come and they can actually stay for a few days or a week or whatever and and just kind of recharge and so just watching that whole property transform has been a been a real joy. Um, I think uh, Proverbs twenty two seven talks about um, the <coughs> the rich um, control the poor and that the borrower is a slave to the lender. Well, I can honestly say that we're not a slave anymore because we uh, we've got it, and uh, we're going to burn the mortgage this morning. So it's awesome. Thank <laughs> you.
and stand with us. Well, there's M&Ms for everybody as you leave. God bless you as you live your more and more faith.
out in our community and inside this community here. Have a great day.